0: Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be bringing down the Monday, November 27th slate of college basketball at DFS. It should be a pretty interesting slate here for us this Monday night. We're entering kind of a somewhat normalized time in college basketball now with all of the Feast Week festivities being over, all of the holiday tournaments ending on Sunday. Um, So, you know, we're going to kind of get some more normalized slates of games moving forward where, you know, we're not dealing with teams playing on back-to-back days. We're not dealing with all the odd start times. You know, we're just going to have the one nightly slate. uh, And so that is going to be kind of the norm from here on out with DFS College Basketball, which will kind of allow us to find a little bit of a rhythm because. I will say, as much as I enjoyed Thanksgiving week, you know, being a teacher, I was off Wednesday and Thursday, Friday. It was great. I played a ton of DFS for college football, college basketball, and NFL, and even NBA. And it just, it was a lot. <laughs> there was a lot going on. So um, it will be kind of nice this week to kind of throttle it back just a little bit and, you know, have the one nightly college basketball slate um, and then college football and NFL coming back over the weekend. So that brings up a great point. Make sure you go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the audio feed. Um, so that way you can get notified when all of our episodes. Drop. We will be talking about college football later on the week. It's conference championship weekend, and we'll have our NFL episode back at its normal scheduled time as well. So, um, if you subscribe, you'll be notified when all those drop. And if you like what you see on here on these videos, hit the like button. It really does help me out a lot. Um, I'm, I'm not just saying that to, um, you know, try to pander to get likes. Like, no, it really does help a lot. It helps them get noticed. Um, it helps move them up in the search algorithm. Uh, and I really do appreciate it because we're trying to grow to 250 subscribers, and we are almost there. So, hit the subscribe button. Hit the like button. And um, yeah, that's all we got for the introduction. So let's go ahead and dive into this Monday night slate. All right. So let's go ahead and dive into this Monday night slate. So um, it is just a DraftKings only day um, for Monday night. Um, It appears as if Fandle has um, pulled the old Bill Belichick and said, we're on to Tuesday night. So um, just DraftKings here on Monday night, and you know, that FanDuel slate that is for Tuesday night, it's a good looking slate. Um, so we will be back tomorrow night to preview the Tuesday slate for both DraftKings and FanDuel. But that's beside the point. So we've got an eight-game slate here on um this Monday night slate. And I'm going to be honest with you, I have had a lot of success lately with kind of building my college basketball lineups for the bigger slates, like you know, the eight to ten game slates, like a college football slate or an NFL slate where I take a look at the different game environments and I figure out how I want to attack each game environment. And, you know, I either stack it or I don't, or I find the games where I can play just one guy from this team or one guy from that team, or where I can get two guys going against each other. You know, I have found that to be a very effective strategy when building lineups. And I'm somebody that right now for college basketball, I'm a small stakes player, unashamedly, um, and I, I do 20 max lineups. So um, if I'm building 20 lineups, I'm going to build out kind of a few different stacks and a few different pieces from a lot of these different games. So I'm going to go ahead and preview this slate here from that angle of going on a game by game basis. So let's go ahead and start things off with the Oakland and Xavier game. Oakland University, not in California. It's in Rochester County, Michigan. So um. Yeah, a little bit of um, little known information there, but they are taking on Xavier here Monday night. Um, it is projected to be um, Xavier 81 to 66. Um, Xavier is one of, uh, let's see, four. Five teams to get to or projected to get to 80 points here on this slate, um, which makes them an attractive team to target. Um, and Xavier also ranks 37th in tempos. They're gonna push the pace up and down a little bit. Oakland is gonna have plenty of possessions, plenty of opportunities to score fantasy points. Now, for Xavier, um, in recent games, they have started to show more usage. For their two transfers from the old Conference USA, Quincy Olivari, who came over from Rice, and then Davion McKnight, who came over from Western Kentucky. As the season has gone on, these two transfers have kind of gotten more ingrained in the lineup and seen more usage and seen more production because of it. Um, And I would be interested in playing the two of them for that reason. You've also got for them Lazar Djokovic. Um, only thirty nine hundred dollars on DraftKings, and he has played the last three games after sitting the first three games, and, and he has taken away some minutes um, at the forward spot. He played twenty minutes last game against Brian, came through, or Bryant um, came through with nineteen point five fantasy points, which is really solid performance from a guy at thirty nine hundred dollars So, Lazar Djokovic could be a value play that could be interesting, especially if this game turns into a blowout, and you know they do give extended minutes to the bench guys. Um, a starter who I'm intrigued in or intrigued by, and will always be intrigued by, for Xavier. I think this guy is an elite cash game option just because of how much he contributes to the overall stat sheet outside of scoring, and that is Desmond Claude. He's sixty-one hundred dollars on DraftKings right now, and he's had twenty-four or more fantasy points in five of their six games. Um, so pretty much, he's almost a lock to hit four times value, um, and in cash games, that's really all you could ask for. And I think he's a really, really high floor, solid play for that reason. Um, so Xavier, with the team being implied eighty-one points, I, I think you can attack any of those different angles. You can go with the guards, all very. Night, You can go with the do-it-all guy in Claude, or you can go with a little bit of like a backup high upside option in Djokovic. But those are the guys I'm interested in on the Xavier side. Now, on the Oakland side, they do have one extremely high usage player, and that is Trey Townsend. He's at the forward position. He's $8,300 on DraftKings. Um, and we've seen forwards score well against Xavier so far this season. You know, we saw it with Zach Eady and Keon Brooks. Now, Trey Townsend is not Zach Eady or Keon Brooks, but, you know, if the trend continues of Xavier kind of being a little bit of a weak rebounding team, um, then, you know, Townsend should be able to take advantage of that. He averages 8.7 rebounds a game, and he's gotten double digit shots in every game Oakland has played. So, so far. The other guy that I like for Oakland is Rocket Watts. So if that name sounds familiar it's Probably because it is. He transferred over from Michigan State, I believe it was um, two years ago, um, and he was a pretty solid player at Michigan State. Like there was a stretch where I believe on the last Cassius Winston team, um, which there was like seven Cassius Winston teams, um, but I believe he was like their second or third best player um, on that 1920 Michigan State team. And now he is at Oakland. He is only 6200 dollars because for whatever reason the first two games of Oakland season he barely played, but he is very clearly their best guard. He's got at least 12 shots in their last three games. He scored at least 25 fantasy points in their last three games, and he now ranks second on the team in usage on the season behind Trey Townsend. Rocket Watts is a guy that I think you can target pretty safely, no matter how this game turns out. I think that Townsend and Watts are going to see a lot of usage and score a lot of fantasy points, and really, I'm not super interested in anybody else on the Oakland side other than that. I don't see any supreme value, and nobody else really has a usage rate that jumps out at me. Now heading on over to the Western Illinois and Wisconsin game. Hey, we've seen these Western Illinois guys before. I believe they were on the slate when they played SMU, like in week one of the season, and now they're back taking on Wisconsin. Um, And Ken Palm has this one projected as being Wisconsin, 83 to 57. Western Illinois has gotten beaten by 30 or more points in both games against power competition when they played in American Athletic or a Big East team. Um, And James Dent is their leader in usage by a wide margin. And one thing that I like about Dent is, you know, this game's likely to turn into a blowout. You know, Ken Palm has it projected to be a 26 point victory and Dent has shown the ability that he can hit value. He can have good performances, even in blowouts, um, you know, hitting 30 fantasy points against Illinois when they lost by 32. And, and so I kind of have a little bit of faith to play him for that reason, by the fact that he has a supreme usage rate and he's shown the ability to get there during blowouts. Um, the other guy that I do like is Drew Cisse. So he has um, really stepped his game up in the last three games didn't play more than 20 minutes in a game in the first three and he hasn't played less than 30 minutes in a game in the last three and he's had over 33 fantasy points in all three of those games he's only $6,600 on DraftKings it appears that they're kind of slow to update on him um, with those last three games being so good Um, now granted it's a tough matchup but I do think that he's a pretty solid solid option at that price tag with, with what he's shown in the last three games. The other guy that I'm interested in is Ryan Myers. Um, he's kind of a guy that's got everything trending in the right direction. Um, you know, he's playing more minutes than he did at the start of the season. He's taking more shots than he did at the start of the season. He's seeing more usage than he did at the start of the season. And he's only $4,400. I know Western Illinois has only projected 57 points, but I kind of don't mind playing a guy at $4,400, even if they are projected with that low of a total. Now, taking a look at the Wisconsin side, so Wisconsin's an interesting team because they've been really weird offensively. They returned a lot of the same guys as last year's team, but they haven't been used in the same way as last year's team. So the first thing that you got to talk about when you talk about Wisconsin is the big fella, Steven Crowell, um, and he is a legit seven-footer, and in games where he is mashed up against non-seven-footers, he tends to play really well. Um, and... Th- Western Illinois only has one guy in their rotation who's above six eight, and that is Drew Cisse, who we already talked about. So if Cisse gets in foul trouble, Stephen Crowell is going to have a definite mismatch down low. He's going to have a big-time size advantage, and that could lead to a big performance. Now, Tyler Wall is the guy that I probably like the most on this Wisconsin team just because he's got everything going in the right direction. He was really good at the start of last season, like routinely putting up 30 and and 40 fantasy point nights, Um, and he's starting to get back to that with over 26 in his last three. Um, He's got everything trending in the right direction, as does John Blackwell, who comes in at $5,000 on DraftKings. Those two guys are seeing their usage and their shots and their minutes just trend in the right direction, whereas on... The other side, things you have Chucky Hepburn, who is their starting point guard, and you have AJ Store, who is kind of their scorer, who are trending in the wrong direction in terms of usage. So, if I am playing anybody from Wisconsin, um, it would probably be Crowell with nobody on the other side of Western Illinois, or it would be like a Wall or a Blackwell with a Western Illinois guy on the other side. And hopefully, that you know, they push this game a little bit um, and, and let you know the Wisconsin guys reach their ceiling by keeping it close enough for them to play in the second half. Now, New Hampshire and UConn is the next game that I do want to talk about. Um, this one is also projected to be allowed. UConn's projected to beat the brakes off of New Hampshire. Um, it's projected to be UConn 87 to 60. So let's go ahead and talk about this New Hampshire side because they are pretty interesting. Um, Clarence Daniels and Ahmad Robinson both feature over a 32% usage rate, which is kind of wild um, to have two guys both over 30%. It's kind of an accomplishment. Um, and so just in terms of raw production, those guys haven't been bad so far this season, but they haven't played a team as good as UConn. Um, And then you also have Christian Moore, who was just inserted into the starting lineup last game. Um, And I could see him as having a little bit of upside, like I don't know. I mean, he is in the starting lineup, but I don't know what he's going to do with it. He's only had one game this season where he's eclipsed um, 15 fantasy points. So, but, but he is a guy that they clearly have the faith in to put him in the lineup. And then Trey Woodyard for New Hampshire is going to be a popular value play. He's only $3,500. He averages well over four times value for his salary. Um, and he is a forward who plays a ton of minutes. He doesn't exactly have a high usage rate. He doesn't exactly do a whole lot in those minutes. Um, he, he's a member of the cardio club. But at $3,500, you've got a guy who's going to be out there on the floor in a game that's going to feature a lot of possessions. That's, That's not a terrible option. Um, All things considered, I would probably prioritize on this slate and on all slates, playing value plays and and low usage guys on games that have high totals and on games that are being played at a faster pace, simply because if you think about the pure math of it, if a guy has a 15% usage rate and there's 100 possessions, then that's going to be 15 possessions that he was involved in. If he has that same 15% usage rate and he's only involved in 50 possessions, then that is um, going to be... 7.5 7.5 possessions that he was involved in. So games that are played at a faster tempo make the value plays more palatable to target, which is exactly why I think Trey Woodyard will be a very popular play um, for the New Hampshire. I don't know what their mascot is for New Hampshire here on Monday night. I'm um, now on the UConn side. New Hampshire does not have a rotation player taller than six eight, so this could be a big big night for a legit seven two Donovan Um The only concern with Klingon is how many minutes he plays he's very prone to foul trouble and he is not in the best physical shape. So he very rarely plays more than um, 20 to 25 minutes in a game. His season high is 30 minutes against Indiana. And um, it wasn't a great fantasy output then. It was just him and Kalel Ware, who's also a seven footer, kind of going up against each other and matching minutes for each other in that game. But Klingon, in a game where he has a supreme size advantage is a very high upside option. If he gets to 25 minutes, he can give you a legitimate 50 fantasy points because that's the kind of upside he brings when he plays a lot of minutes and when he has a mismatch. Now, if you don't want to play and if you're concerned about him not playing a lot of minutes, then you could also be interested in playing Samson Johnson, who's going to have the same matchup and is only $4,300. When Klingen was in foul trouble against Texas, Johnson played 27 minutes and had 31 fantasy points. He's another guy like Klingen that can put up fantasy points in bunches and play it well over a fantasy point per minute. So he is a guy that is intriguing for me also. But we got to talk about with UConn, Tristan Newton. So Tristan Newton has been probably in terms of players that are just on this slate, he's been the best player in the last week. Um, You know, Stefan Castle, who's likely to be a lottery pick for this UConn team, he went out with an injury four games ago, and so they played four games without him, and in those four games, Tristan Newton has averaged a 30% usage rate. He's had two games above 50 fantasy points in that um, same span, so you're getting a guy who probably has the highest upside of anybody on the slate in a spot where his team's projected 87 points, and he's a guy who averages over seven rebounds and over six assists a game. So to me, everything lines up perfectly for Tristan Newton to be one of the supreme pay up options on the slate at $9,400. Now, the other guy that I do like from UConn is going to be Asan Diarra we mentioned the Stefan Castle injury. Well, the other guy who has stepped this game up since that injury has been Hassan Diara. Um, He's averaging about 22 fantasy points per game in his last three games. He's only $4,000. UConn is again projected 87 points in this one. So um, if you think he just gets a piece of that 87, then $4,000 does not take a lot to pay off that price tag. All right. That does it for the first four games. So let's take a quick breather and then let's talk about the later four. so I realized like right after I said it that I messed up there and I meant the first three games not the first four games. Uh, imagine that a high school math teacher making a very simple math mistake like that. Anyway um, before we get started with the last five games I do want to mention there are places where you can find more information from me. First off you can follow me on um, the site formerly known as Twitter um, at Mike's Money Picks is my handle on there. I tweet out the DFS rundown for every college basketball and college football slate um, and then I'm also quick to update if there's any injuries or anything that changes my opinion on players. I'm usually pretty quick to get out there. Um, so give me a follow on there. I'm also in the Fantasy Corner Discord. Link is in the description on YouTube and on the audio feed. Um, there's a lot of smart people in that Discord. It's 100% free. Um, and we talk about all the different sports college basketball, college football, NFL. There's even some guys in there that have helped me get better at NBA. Um, it's a lot of fun to be a part of that community. And we've had a lot of people win some money in there in recent weeks. And so i um, love to have more people in there, join the discussion, bounce ideas off each other, talk about plays, talk about strategy, all. All that stuff. Um, and then also I do write up a full article for every college basketball DFS slate and every college football DFS slate. And it is available on my Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. I highlight my core plays as well as kind of my attack strategy for building my lineup um, and just kind of how I'm approaching each slate. And I'm not going to guarantee that you can subscribe to that and instantly win GPPs, but I share a lot of information on there, um, and hopefully it'll help you get better at you know playing DFS for college football and college basketball, which are two of the more undercovered sports where I do think there is an edge by you know doing research and you know having information. Um, and then lastly, you can get um, if you're looking for anything new. Um, head on over to signupexpert.com slash mikespicks you can get the best offers and promo codes for any dfs player prop or sportsbook site that is available in your area at signupexpert.com slash mikespicks Um, so if you're looking to be a new user to any of those sites give it a shot Um, and plus it'll show me some support by using my links as well Um, but you're guaranteed to get the best offers um, if you want to try anything new here this season Alright, so let's go ahead and pick back up right where we left off. We're going to talk about the Rutgers and St. Peter's game. This one is projected to be St. Peter's, or I'm sorry, it's projected to be Rutgers. 66-52 um, um, is what Ken Palm is projecting. Now, if there were one game on the slate to just put a big fat X through it, not unlike an Iowa-Nebraska football game, this would be that game. Um, Just, you know, very low total. Both of these teams are better defensively than they are offensively, and both are outside of the top 250 in tempo rating on Ken Palm. So you're getting two s- slow tempo teams that play good defense and it's just not going to be a great environment for a lot of scoring. Now St. Peter's, um, DraftKings has, um, they've kind of messed up because if you notice here on my screen, they have seven players in the player pool on DraftKings and that is not their entire roster. St. Peter's is missing some players in the DraftKings pool and, and I really hope DraftKings fix it because some of them are they're like they 're better players, um, you know to name a few, um, looking from their Ken Palm page um, and then looking at you know the draftkings roster, here are the guys that I found that were missing it 's Michael Hogue, Roy Clark, and Marcus Randolph, um, and so those three guys who play a large role in the team um, are not here on draftkings there 's also a guy um, in Corey Washington that did not play in their most recent game. And he is at thirty seven hundred dollars. He does not have an out icon next to his name. Um, so DraftKings has really kind of dropped the ball here with Saint Peter's. But from the guys that are left, um, Latrell Reed does lead the team in usage. Whether you know the guys are on the DraftKings slate or not, he does lead the team in usage. He is playable um, for that reason. But you know they are only projected fifty two points, so that, that it's kind of a tough sell to play a guy at sixty two hundred dollars um, who is you know that. Um, that high priced um, on that low of a projection, I should say. Um, and then you have Brent Bland, who is down here at thirty seven hundred dollars, um, and he is turning into one of their bigger minutes guys. Um, you know, doesn't do a whole lot with it, except in the Fairly Dickinson game where he had twenty four fantasy points. So maybe at thirty seven hundred dollars, he might be a guy who's worth a dart throw. But I, I, again, I think you can just totally cross off this game and be okay with it. On the Rutgers side. You kind of know what you have in their in their um, big three guys, or big two guys, I should say. Uh, Cliff Amaruyi. Um, big Cliff, as I like to call him, $9,000 on DraftKings, very solid collegiate big man, going to block you some shots, going to get you some boards. Um, he's a guy that you can play in this type of game environment and be okay. Andre Hyatt is kind of in the same boat as well. Um, he's a big time rebounder, big time scorer for this Rutgers team also. Um, those are guys that you can play with very minimal risk, but just know that the low game total is probably going to you know get a little bit in the way of them having a ceiling game. But the two guys that I do want to talk about at length for this Rutgers team are Derek Hem- or Derek. Simpson and Noah Fernandes so as the season has gone on you've seen more usage out of Simpson and Fernandes. You know, Simpson in his last two has scored at least 25 fantasy points and he's taken double digit shots. Um, and then Fernandez, the UMass transfer, he was a really high usage player at UMass. He came through with 30 fantasy points in their last game against Howard. But my caution is, is in that game against Howard, Howard's an up-tempo team. So even though Rutgers was winning big, there was a lot of possessions that they got in it. And Rutgers scored 85 points in this game. I don't see a way where Rutgers scores 85 against St. Peter's, even if it's a blowout. I, I just don't see them scoring that many points in this low tempo of an environment. Now the next game to talk about is the exact opposite. We got Houston Baptist taking on TCU. It's projected to be TCU ninety nine to sixty five according to Ken Palm. That is the highest total I have seen in a Ken Palm projection so far this season, but it's for good reason. Houston Baptist ranks second in the nation in, or I'm sorry, third in the nation in adjusted tempo, and they rank three hundred sixtieth in the nation in defensive efficiency. Y'all, there's only three hundred sixty five teams, so there's only five teams worse defensively um, than Houston Baptist according to Kempom. So this is a great team to target simply because they're going to give you a lot of possessions and they're not going to provide a whole lot of resistance on the defensive end. Now, can we target any of these Houston Baptist guys? Well, they are projected 65 points. So it's not like they're going to get shut out. And there are a few guys on here that I do find a little bit intriguing. Pierce Basil is only 4100 hours, and he does lead this team in usage. Now he does only have two games above 15 fantasy points, but both of them were 25.5 and 26 fantasy point outings. So he does have legit at upside at only 4.1K. I don't mind it at all. And then you've got Jay Alvarez who gets the dual eligibility, who is averaging well over five or I'm sorry, almost five times his salary. Um, at $5,100, he's averaging 23 fantasy points. Um, and so I'm interested in both Alvarez and Basil because they are the two leaders in usage on this team. Um, another interesting thing to look at for this team is who does play a lot of minutes in blowout games um, because we do expect this one to be a blowout. And Basil um, leads the team in minutes. Um, And then you've also got two guys near the top, um, Banke Maring and then uh, Marcus Green, who are also the next two guys in minutes on this team, Um, you know, but they're a little bit more expensive and they play a little bit lower usage rate. So I would almost prefer to go with Alvarez and Basil as opposed to Maring and Green, even though Maring and Green will likely be out there on the floor, no matter how badly Houston Baptist is getting beat. Now on the TCU side of things, that ninety-nine point projection is really enticing because you gotta feel like there's just a lot of slices of this pie that you can have, right? Um, so to me, this is a team where if you're target, like if you're gonna pick any team to target multiple guys from, let it be the team that's gonna you know score ninety-nine points and let it be guys that kind of work well off of each other, right? So here are the guys that are doing a whole lot for TCU right now. Right now, Avery Anderson is actually their leader in usage rate. He's a transfer from Oklahoma State. He comes off the bench, so he doesn't play you know super big minute lows, but when he's out there, he has the ball in his hands and he is scoring and he is assisting it. So maybe in a blowout, could he see a little bit more of a boost because he comes off the bench? I think it's a possibility, but I think that there are four core starters who play a lot of minutes have all really got to be in play for this game. You've got Emmanuel Miller at 8.2K on DraftKings. Um, I don't think Houston Baptist has anybody who can match up with his athleticism down low you've got Jacoby Coles who kind of operates at the five spot for TCU and has had some ceiling games so far this season with 38 points in a blowout against um Abilene Christian, or no, Alcorn State that game was against. 38 points against Alcorn State for Jacoby Coles. You've got Jameer Nelson Jr. Um, Yes, he is the Jameer Nelson son, which made me feel old, because I remember as a kid watching college basketball, watching Jameer Nelson at St. Joe's. Um, But Jameer Nelson Jr. is a guy who fills up the stat sheet, gets a lot of steals, gets a lot of assists as well, Um, and so he's a guy that you can play. Um, And then Micah Peavy uh, feels like he's been in college forever, um, is a pretty consistent performer who I think you can play also. Um, So if I were to attack this TCU side, it's probably going to be some combination of those four guys. Like, I think it would make a lot of sense to pair, um, PV and Nelson, with somebody else. And it can even be the two of them, right? Because those are the two guys that are going to get you the assists. Those are the two guys that are going to kind of stack on each other. Now, if you don't want to play one of the starters, you do have Avery Anderson who you know is going to get you assists as well. Um, and then there's also Xavier Cork way down low at $3,400. He's a really solid per minute player who generally doesn't play a lot of minutes. So in a blowout, if he if he ends up seeing extended run, then he could end up giving you a pretty solid fantasy performance at only $3,400 next up is going to be northern illinois at northwestern the battle for chicago well Kind of. Both these teams are kind of suburban Chicago. Um, but anyway, this one is projected to be Northwestern 78-68. to 68. Northern Illinois will get up and down. They're ranked 14th in the nation in tempo, according to Ken Palm. Uh, And they just came off of a big-time game for them. They beat DePaul. Um, they scored 89 points against DePaul in that game. And so, what you saw is a lot of guys from Northern Illinois had big-time fantasy performances in that game, and they all got priced up on DraftKings from it. Um, you know, David Coit um, and uh, Zarik Nutter are their their two highest usage players, they're their two best players, they're their two highest fantasy scores. Like those are two really solid options. Um, but I'd really struggle to see how they're going to have a ceiling game against Northwestern. Northwestern is going to slow this game down from what they're used to. Northwestern is a pretty tough defensive team. Northwestern is a really good rebounding team. So Coit and Nutter, while they are Northern Illinois' two best players, I do think the pathway is kind of tough for them to have big nights. If they were to have a big night, I think it would be in this game ended up being really close. Um, And so that would probably lead me to want to play a guy on the Northwestern side as well. Now, outside of those two for Northern Illinois, like I said, a lot of these guys got priced up from where they were at um, for the DePaul game. Their big man is Yannick Conan Niederhauser. What a name. Um, and he does not really play a whole lot of big minute totals. He's only played more than 20 minutes twice so far this season, but he's a pretty darn consistent fantasy scorer, um, you know, having over 20 fantasy points in five of six games. Um, and so I'm willing to give him a run for that reason, just because he is generally, you know, pretty good from a fantasy perspective, even though he doesn't play a lot of minutes. He, like I said, he is priced up from where we saw him at against DePaul, but $5,200 is not unreasonable for the big fella. Now, on the Northwestern side, they're an interesting little team. Um, I got to watch this team um, when they played Dayton. Um, As I mentioned before, I am a Texas Longhorns fan. Um, My dad is a Dayton Flyers fan. I went to the University of North Carolina Charlotte, the 49ers, and I follow the ACC teams pretty closely because that's who all my friends watch. right? So um, those teams I kind of watch and and know really well. And I got to watch Northwestern against Dayton. And so I kind of got to see how they played. And I kind of think that this is a pretty good spot to target some Northwestern guys in. This is a pace up game. Game for them, with Northern Illinois being ranked so highly in tempo. And Northern Illinois is really bad at rebounding. They're, both their rebounding rates are not good. Um, so, I do think this is a game where Brooks Barnheiser could have a really big performance. Brooks Barnheiser is a really good rebounding guard. He's gotten two double doubles so far this season. He's been over 36 fantasy points in four or five games so far this season. Um, and he's at $8,800, which is pretty high. But I do think the odds are pretty good that he's going to give you that four times value that we so desperately want. Um, and he's got the ceiling for more if he does get you that bonus for getting double double boo booey is their best player um he kind of does it all on the floor last year he averaged a little more rebound rebounds and assists than he did this year um so i would hope that those peripheral stats would pick up and in a pace up game against northern Illinois it is a chance that they could in fact pick up um And then with them also being a weak rebounding team, I think Matthew Nicholson, their big man, is interesting. Um, He is kind of another guy, like we talked about with Niederhauser, doesn't play a whole lot of minutes, but when he's out there, he's a pretty good per minute player. And then last guy for Northwestern that I'm interested in is um, Ty Berry. Last two games, he's been over 25 fantasy points. He's he's really seen his shots go up in those last two games. Um, I don't really know the rhyme or reason for it, but I do know that that has gone up for him in the last two games. Um, And then Ryan Langborg is a Princeton transfer. I just think he's good, like just watching him, like – He's a good basketball player, um, and so I'm kind of willing to play him for that reason as well, even though 6600 is probably more than I would be willing to pay for him. I, I, if he came in at like 5900 I think that would be a really good price for him. All right, now let's go ahead and talk about the last two games of the slate, the, the out West games. We got Eastern Washington taking on Washington State, and this one is projected to be Washington State, 82 to 68. Um, Eastern Washington is a pretty good team to target guys against because they rank 23rd in tempo. However, they are a nightmare to target guys for because they play a super deep bench. They play a lot of guys, and you just don't really know who's gonna do what. Cedric Coward is their best player, I mean, he plays the most minutes, but he's 7300 hours on DraftKings um, and only averaging 25.8 fantasy points per game. That's not exactly a winning proposition, uh, if I'm being honest. Um, and then you've got Ellis Magnuson, who is a guy that plays with a supremely low usage rate. He's a, he's a member of the cardio club, but he gets a lot of cardio. He's actually second on the team in minutes. Um, and then also, I think Magnuson is kind of interesting because Andre Mulabe um, Mulabia? Andre Mulabia, that's how I'm going to say it. Um, he did not play their last game. He, he apparently got injured. I couldn't find anything more about it than that. Um, and so Magnuson was the beneficiary of some of those minutes and some of that usage. So with them playing pretty much all the guys that you see priced about $3,500 on DraftKings, Magnuson Magnuson's probably the only one I would target simply because he's the one that I think could see increased minutes and usage from what we've seen in their game logs already. Now, on the Washington State side of things, they are pretty starting five heavy, which makes them pretty easy to target. But the the starting five is pretty balanced. So it kind of makes them a little bit more difficult to read. All five of these guys have the potential to go off. In order of usage, um, Miles Rice actually does lead them in usage, um, but it doesn't always necessarily lead to the most fantasy points. Isaac Jones has been their best fantasy scorer, um, and he is second on the team in usage, um, 29.9 fantasy points per game. Um, I think he's a pretty solid option. Um, And then Andre Jakimowski um, is... Um, next up in usage, um, he's had two 38 fantasy point performances so far this season. And then you've got Joseph Yesifu, who's a guy that I like a lot. Um, like I said before, I like playing value plays in, in lower usage guys in you know, up-tempo games, of which this seems to be one of the faster tempos on the slate. Um, and he also has shown a high ceiling so far this season. He had 26 fantasy points against Mississippi State, and that was in a loss. Um, Yesifu was a really high usage player at Drake. He transferred to Kansas, got himself a ring, and is now at Washington State. Um, looking to play more, looking to have the ball in his hands more than he did at Kansas. So I think Yesifu is a, a value play that has a legitimate ceiling at $4,600. And then the last guy to talk about is Ruben Chinyelu Um, who is recently inserted into the starting lineup over 20 fantasy points in each of the last two games. Um, Still doesn't play a whole lot of minutes, but he is the newest member of that starting. Last game of the night is Utah taking on St. Mary's, and this one is projected to be the closest game of the night, but far from the highest scoring. Ken Palm has it projected St. Mary's sixty-nine to sixty-eight. St. Mary's is kind of a tough team to target because you know, kind of like what we said about Washington State, they're very balanced and they also play a slow tempo, so you're not going to see a, just a whole lot of fancy scoring with them or against them in general. But from a price-adjusted standpoint, Joshua Jefferson might be my favorite play. He now leads the team in usage on the season, um, and he's only. so he doesn't quite have as high of a goal to get to, um, like Aiden Mahaney or like an Alex Dukas. Um, Mitchell Saxon, I think is always going to be in play. Um, if you use any kind of optimizer or projections, he always ranks out really highly in them for whatever reason. Um, I can't quite figure out why, I mean, he was a little bit more productive player last year. Maybe there's some priors, you know, kind of, um, you know, written in there. I don't know, but I think he's not a bad play. Um, he's at $7,000, even he's hit four times value or more in three straight games. Um, I, I don't think he's a terrible play, but I don't think he's like the best play on the slate type of guy. On the Utah side of things, their seven footer, Brandon Carlson, um, leads the team in usage. And he's had some big time performances, particularly against Wake Forest, where he had fifty one point five fantasy points. But the problem is, is he tends to play well against teams that don't fend the don't defend the interior well, right? And and Wake Forest is one of those teams that doesn't. And um, so I don't think this is a great matchup for him against St. Mary's in a team that notoriously defends the paint really well. Um, offensively, Carlson, you know, he can step outside and take some threes, but if you look at how he gets the ceiling performances, it comes from filling it up from a point total and then getting a lot of block shots, and I just don't really see that being the case against St. Mary's. Um Lawson Lovering is Utah's second seven-footer. They they have two of them out there in Utah. And believe it or not, Utah actually starts five white guys. Like I was shocked when I when I saw that um watching them in um the I believe it was the Charleston Classic they were playing and I'm like, "Wow, that team is destined to lose." And and they didn't. Good for you, Utah. Um anyway, Lawson Lovering is their second seven-footer. Um and he's not bad. Like I but i again against St. Mary's, I just don't think it's that great of an option. Their two highest usage guards are Roly Worcester and Gabe Madsen. But, you know, they're pretty darn expensive. And against St. Mary's, I'd just rather target some other guys that are at similar price tags, in my opinion. All right, that does it for this episode. That does it for um, the Monday, November 27th slate. So hopefully able to give you guys some good information that will help you win some money here on this Monday night. If you like what you saw, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, that way you'll be notified when new videos drop. Um, And we will be back for college basketball for the Tuesday slate, and we'll be talking college football and NFL later on the week. Link to the Fantasy Corner Discord is in the description, as well as to the Patreon is in the description. Other than that, y'all, best of luck to you in all your DFS endeavors. Thank you guys for watching and listening this far, and I will see you next time.